Hello, 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 and welcome back to Hollywood Hero. I'm your host, Layla Palmer, and today I am back with the podcast where I interview and meet the entertainment industry's most acclaimed personalities. So I know it has been a really, really long time since I uploaded an episode. I was so busy with school and having a little bit of trouble balancing my schedule, but I'm back for the new year and I'm so, so happy to finally be recording again. It feels great. So honestly, I think I'm going to skip the segments for today because I just want to get right into this interview. This interview is with Victoria Hammerski, who is the founder of VH Management in Philadelphia, where I'm from. And she is a college student at the University of the Arts. She is a very established young woman. I had an awesome time talking to her. She is so skilled in her career field, and I'm just very impressed with all the work that she's done at such a young age. So yeah, we talked about her management company and about the music industry and, you know, representation and stuff like that. So if you are interested in any of those topics, please keep watching and uh, I will see you guys next episode. All right, so I'm here with Victoria Hemerski, the founder of VH Management Group. How are you? Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. So excited to talk to you today. I'm so fascinated by how young you are and how you have this entire management company. It's so cool. Um, So yeah, so uh, before we get into things, I want you, I think we talked a little bit about um, like where you're from and everything when we were setting up the interview. But before we get into the questions and everything, um, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and where you're calling in from today? Um, I know we're both from Philly, but just tell the listeners <laughs> a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. Uh, my name's Tori. I'm from South Philly. Unfortunately, but fortunately, I say all the time. <laughs> it's, you know, I feel like South Philly is a very small place and everyone knows everyone, but also Philly is like a really big emerging music city, which is really good on my side too. And I go to school for music business, entrepreneurship, and technology at the University of the Arts, which is right down the street on Broad Street, which is also pretty cool. And uh, the day after I graduated high school, I founded BH Management Group. And now I'm here and, you know, I have a bunch of artists and my career is just more than I ever imagined it to be. <laughs> yeah, that it's so fascinating. I mean, how old are you? 19, 20? Yeah, I'm 19. I'll be 20 in August. I'm a Leo. Wow, so am I. Oh my gosh, I love oh, meeting fellow Leos. Oh my goodness. I, mean, I feel like I'm not the stereotypical, like I love myself, like personally, like I hate myself. Like I'm like, <laughs> not like super, I'm super confident in my career and what I do and, you know, how I present myself. But like, you know, like personally, I'm like, not that kind of Leo. It's like, I'm a all, very yeah. August Leo. And it's like, I share a birthday with Len and Stella. So like, it's just oh, okay. good vibes, good vibes only. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love meeting fellow Leos, so I think we're vibing already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talked about uh, already, you said you live in Philly, South Philly. Um, so you grew up there, and you currently go to school there at the yes. University of the Arts, which isn't really in South Philly, but Philly area. Yes, I'm I'm pretty lucky because, you know, school, I've seen UArts my whole life. And, you know, I also, I really wanted to go to Berkeley, but, you know, I made the decision to go to UArts and now it's one of the top 10 music business schools in the country which is awesome and you know I do so much for the MBET program and I'm really involved with the MBET community and you know it's it's really awesome because my teachers are like now like my like 
friends and my mentors and they help me so much. And, you know, it's just, it's really awesome to get to go to school for what I do already. And I went in with the knowledge, like book smart knowledge of like music industry and like artist management. And I was able to take those classes with teachers that have done it before. So like I was able to use like the book knowledge and meet people who have done it and be able to expand on that knowledge and get more, you know, insight from the senior members of the music industry, basically. Yeah, of course. And I was going to ask about your experience in the music industry before starting VH management, but you said you started it right after you graduated high school. Yeah. So it was you kind a, of didn't really it have was any. A journey. It was no, yeah. it wasn't really a journey. I mean, I've been wanting to work in the music industry for as long as I can remember. Um, my vice is concerts. I've been to over 200 and you know, Wow. <laughs> Half of them I've worked after I was like 17-ish. So, you know, a little strain off the bank account, I guess. But I mean, again, like the Philly thing, like growing up here, it's like when you're from there's an inner so city. Many concerts. There's so many concerts. So many concerts in Philly. Concerts, but like when you're a kid, there's nothing to do except like go to parks or go get in trouble and just like be rowdy. And I didn't want that. So I chose yeah. concerts over like hanging out on corners with my friends. And, you know, I think it was the best decision I ever made. And when I was like 12, 13-ish, I started going to a concert by myself. And it was like, I always went to GA shows and, you know, I just kept racking them up. And I would, I would think I was networking before I even knew what it was. And I remember I really internalized when I went to the One Direction concert. I'm a big Stan Twitter kind of girl, you know, I was into, <laughs> I was into all of that. And I feel like, I don't know if you know, like after the big arena shows or stadium tours, they have the stage picture with all of the staff for the whole leg of that tour. There was no women on that tour that were actually working except like the hairdressers and like all those different kinds of people on the back end. But I feel like I internalized that and I was like, oh, well, there's no girls. There's no one looks, that looks like me. I'm my favorite fan. Like if you can't tell on my walls, but it's just like, you know, I really kept that within me that like, wow, there's not many women that work in here. And, you know, when I was 17, I started like picking up every single book that I could. I owned tons, like over 30 music industry physical books and tons on my computer and I just learned as much as I could and you know I just really after I graduated high school I just went for it yeah um so you kind of did have some experience in a sense like not professionally like with schooling but you kind of like went out there and engulfed yourself in it um, yeah I really I tried to I taught myself it's like I knew what I wanted to do and I was like I went to a performing arts high school too So I was really ingrained in like the arts and music and theater. And I was a theater major and just, you know, I would, I was the girl that at 10 a.m. I'd grab my card and go run to the bathroom to get pre-sale tickets. Like that was me, you know? And it's like, I really, that was something I was so passionate about was going to concerts. And, you know, I started just learning everything that I could about the music industry and artist management. And if you're a One Direction fan, like, you know, like, all the stuff that you've seen online and the things that you perceived like as a fan about, you know, One Direction and how much they were being controlled by their management and their team. And, you know, from an outside perspective as a fan, you saw that, like everyone saw that. It wasn't, it wasn't hidden. It wasn't in the back burner. You saw that One Direction was being controlled and like, seriously, like it ultimately ended the band basically. And a lot of people still talk about it now, like Simon Cowell, you know what I'm saying? And, I just really, I was like, oh my God, I never want that to ever happen to an artist that I love. And, you know, I really, when I started artist management, I think I was like 15 to 17, learning everything that I could, like book-wise, you know, and 
I was networking with people at venues before I even know what it was, like coat checkers, the VIP check-in people who would give me my badges to go in and meet the artist, the photographers, like I'm a front row or no row kind of girl. So I'd be at the barricade, like talking to the photographers up front and like security and, you know, just hearing their story because my mom raised me that, you know, treat everyone with kindness and you really never know who knows who. And that's really prevalent in the music industry because it's so small. I can, I can tell you for sure that there's people that know of you or know you that you don't have no idea who they are. And it's just, the circle is really small. And, you know, I just really tried to push myself anyway to, you know, try to start managing my friends and keeping that really close relationship with them and trying to, you know, change what I saw growing up as a kid to not let artists get taken advantage of basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think everything that you said about networking and starting that at such a young age is really inspiring to me, especially because starting this podcast as a 17 year old who didn't really know what they were doing at first. And then as the months went on, like starting to develop kind of a sense of like where it was going and how to like start, you know, getting people to come on the show and, you know, learn how to talk to people better. It's kind of like, it's really inspiring me to hear you to, to see where you are now and like hear from what, where you've started that's Thank really you. inspiring <laughs> definitely and also hearing you talk about how the music industry is such a small space um so and yeah because it really is uh, essentially it really. Is. <laughs> yeah it's um crazy. and crazy. yeah and you talked a little bit about um the motivation behind starting vh management and like why it's completely female operated um but can you expand a little bit more on that why you decided to have it be fully female staffed and operated yeah of course I mean no again like I see no women working shows that I was going to about artists I love and I was at such an impressionable age too that I like feel like even if I didn't realize that at the time I really like internalized those things that I saw going to so many shows and I think I started, I was like, I just turned 17. I started doing music journalism and that's like, that's my jam. Like I've interviewed so many artists. Like I said, take the strain off the bank account because I don't have to spend all the money on the shows. I get invited and take all the pictures and press passes and the whole nine yards. And, you know, I really, when I would go and I'd get picked up by the managers at the front door, it was always a man, always a man. And I will be honest and say that it was always white men too. And it was just like, I really was like, you know, you don't say anything. You're still professional. It's like, that's, that's not the issue. I just feel like there wasn't much representation. Like the industry is so small. Yes, it's so small, but where's the room for, you know, women, people of color, LGBTQ, non-binary, disabled, and the list goes on. I mean, there needs to be those voices in the music industry for the music industry to work properly, if that makes sense. Like I just noticed such a, you know, decline in female empowerment in the music industry. And like, I will say that now there's, there's more women in like higher positions and like chairman positions, like VPs and all that stuff. And But it's, it's still getting, so scarce. It's still so scarce. Like it's getting yeah. better, but it's not where it's supposed to be. Like there is not enough representation, especially for women. You know, it's like every single time I go to an interview, the tour manager's a man, the manager's a man. I think I've only met one female tour manager in like 90 interviews and it's just like you you think about those things like you keep those within you're like wow like wait that's it's kind of crazy so when I was like making BH it's like okay like I want it to be all women because you know like I mean I don't want anybody to mansplain anything to me 
there was like a situation where this guy was like fighting me like a booking agent and he's like oh yeah sorry I don't work with interns I was like um if you check my email signature I am the founder manager whatever like he's like oh no you're lying I I don't I can't work with you sorry I like the band but put me in touch with the boss I was like yeah okay found out through the grapevine that the guy ended up not working at that place anymore so I was just like go figure and it's like you know it's like things like that it's like there's so much misogyny and you know it's like I could have more education and experience than you you just want to say just because you're a man you can do it right and I know like a lot in pop culture like all of the managers that you see in like tv shows and films like even like big time rush it's like a big big shot a big shot guy is the manager and it's like I guess that's what the media perceives as like a manager somebody who's taking care of the artist's career and I don't know if you've ever seen the show Nashville um but there's a lot of managers in that show because it's about the music industry and artists and all of that and you know there's a lot of situations in that show where it's all negative about managers taking advantage of them and you know putting them in bad situations and like robbing them taking their money and it's just like I hate it and I hate that you know that's perceived as like a man's job and it's like, you know, the men don't need to have the experience to be a manager. They could just know a guy and make it in the music industry. And sadly, it happens. It happens. Yeah. And I know that's like always pushed under the rug and people are like, oh, yeah, well, he went to school. Like he knows he did an internship. It's like, okay, cool. It's like there's people that have grinded for like 40 plus years and still nobody will give them a chance. And it's like, you know, I feel like so many people struggle with like gender and race in the music industry. And I'm like, everybody deserves an equal chance. Like there needs to be these voices that are underrepresented for the music industry to mean anything. Like, I don't know, there's a lot of pages that you know show statistics of women and people of color, LGBTQ, disabled people in the music industry. And it's like 1%, 2%, 3%. It's like, I've never seen more than 10%, like especially in like the songwriter category too crazy it's it's crazy and I just really wanted to you know make a company that's being able to help fight that change whether it's through having a more diverse roster and giving you know artists that wouldn't necessarily be looked at by like bigger managements or labels a chance to be able to share their voice or whether it's through having a more diverse staff and keeping it all women you know or you know female identifying people it's just it just it all it all matters. It all comes together to just be one like cohesive piece to just try to, you know, fight the power. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's I think it's super super important that this starts to happen. That more people like you actually stand up and start to create more inclusivity in the music industry because the music industry, like we said already, it's a small space, but at the same time, it's a huge huge industry that has a super big impact on all the other industries and it's a local company but it will i think impact you know um on a larger scale (laughs) yeah i mean i think it will eventually um because it i mean it really is super disappointing to see i mean like you said like i mean it's like big time rush like we're us watching that when we're younger like i didn't even notice that until you said it like their managers like this big white man who like <laughs> has all this power and is like and he's, his assistant. he's an icon though he's a legend he, he's he an icon he and we love him but like <laughs> yeah but and and 
that example is just like and then his assistant is like this skinny black girl that he's like and it's just like thank you like these are things that are in pop culture that we see and we like internalize and think we're normal but it's not normal it shouldn't be that way yeah it's it's i mean it's crazy crazy to think about that that was being ingrained in us when we're children nickelodeon oh my gosh it's it's insane um but kind of not completely moving on from that it's kind of related but so one of your main goals for the company is like we were talking about making it more inclusive the music industry for people of color and the lgbtq plus community non-binary women disabled persons how do you as the founder of vh aim to actively fulfill this goal oh of course uh myself i am a disabled woman and it's like i have something called a blind illness and you would never know that i have something wrong with me and I feel like, I guess that's lucky in a sense, but, you know, I think about it all the time, like going to concerts and, you know, seeing the uptick in fans buying accessible seating when they aren't in need of those accessible seating. And I remember I went to a show, Harry Styles at Wells Fargo. And I remember I seen a girl, like when you're considering like disabled people and accessible seating at venues, there shouldn't be any questions asked specifically because there are people with blind illnesses or like epilepsy or whatever that case may be. But those accessible seats are significantly cheaper. And, you know, I think it's, I think Wells Fargo may be limited to like two or three seats. So like you can have your one person who's sick and like one companion. So it doesn't get abused, but it still does get abused. And I know I was literally walking down the aisle to my seat and I seen two girls standing fine. Like, again, you cannot judge like disabled people because everyone does have something different and you, you really never know and I mean everybody's story is different you shouldn't have to disclose but there was two girls sitting in those accessible seats and there was a woman in a wheelchair coming down the aisle and those girls came from a up, upper section seen those seats open and just weaseled their way into the section and like there was a disabled girl and her family who bought those tickets and I mean me literally like just seeing from the side, like you can see when somebody's in the wrong seat and the security comes and they walk them out. And it's like seeing those things happen, like especially as someone like who I consider to be lucky in a sense that, you know, my illness is very severe, but I'm lucky enough that I'm able to continue to do what I do. And I know that there's people who have my disease that die at age 21 and that literally like can't go to shows and they can't walk or or in wheelchairs or whatever the case may be. But I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm, I'm well enough to continue my career and to enjoy concerts, but concerts should be accessible for everyone. And I know there's a lot of organizations that are helping to keep the word out to make concerts accessible and, you know, having like warnings on the television, on the television, <laughs> on the screens about like things that are coming up that might be triggering for people with different disorders or epilepsy or whatever that may be, because there's like a wide variety of illnesses, but everyone concert should be for everyone music should be for everyone it should be able to be accessible for no matter who you are and even working shows too like it should be accessible for every person if you want to do it you can do it there shouldn't be limitations when I was 16 I like founded this music festival for charity called Rare Reality that benefits children with rare diseases and disorders and you know with COVID we like had our first show scheduled and you know, the venue was doing everything for free for us. And then like, they like, kind of ghosted us. And I was like, oh, that's sad. What am I supposed to do now? I got to go find a venue and spend all this money. 
found out that the floor fell through and you know that venue is now closed oh my <laughs> god you know it really it was able it was a time for me to be able to sit back and think like okay this is something that does need to happen because it's like there should be people with autism that can go to concerts and they have like non-sensory areas for them to be able to enjoy the show and not be like trampled by people or have like headphones accessible or whatever it may be there's so many ways to make content accessible for everyone I feel like somebody should take the step to do it and I'm like if nobody's gonna do it I'll try you know and I'm like hoping for like it to end up being my senior project in school because I've been working on it for like such a long time it's really like five years and it's like okay that's like one step to go and like the disabled person route and I know like LGBTQ voices they need to be heard and like I know like especially like think about the whole little nods as x thing come on you're gonna tell me if somebody else did that there would be that much outrage no yeah he he's a gay black man and that's why he's getting trampled for it like that is not right yeah I personally love the song I think it's a banger if you wanted to make Satan shoes let him go who cares it's that's also just I mean I could talk <laughs> about I could talk about that whole situation all day long oh like the it's, fact it's that insane yeah I think was it the music video that got like taken down or was it the song that got taken off of Spotify or something? I don't know. I think I'm it not... was the I think it was the music video first, but like I think you can still listen to it on Spotify. I, I don't even I think know. What so. the I'm not is. quite sure, but it's just it's absolutely it, it's just it's ridiculous. Because I, I'm pretty sure like he tweeted something or put on TikTok that like that you might not like listen to the song today because yeah, like, you may that. not I've be able that. to listen to it tomorrow. So like that's why I thought it was taken off of Spotify, but I haven't checked. But that's just ridiculous because like just listening to the song, I know there was a lot of controversy over the music video, which still I don't I think understand it because it's anyway. art. It's it's art and it it's so cool. it's beautiful and it's great. But the song itself, it's just like it's no more raunchy or um like explicit than like WAP, you know? Or Thank like you. any like or any like male rapper, like straight male rapper rapping about like um like sex with women, you know? Exactly. And no one's talking exactly. about that. And no one's talking about that. It's like, so why it's just is be- he getting targeted. Like that's just it's it baffles me. Like I yeah. can't even I can't even express it. And it's just really like, yeah, it's just homophobia, but people aren't really calling it that because of, I don't know, why? Why? Yeah, they're they're like excusing like Satanism for their internalized exactly. Like, no, you don't don't want to see a black gay man successful. Just say that. Like, let him, he's a millionaire, let him live his life. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to do anything that this man will ever do. He'll be more successful than you maybe probably me too like even yeah how hard I work like little now does he's killing it he's killing yeah. it and like people don't want to see people successful and I'm like okay you can use God as an excuse but that's just horrible like yeah. I just like can't understand like I was like oh my god the way my mom raised me she's like I love everyone like her best friend was gay and like she asked me what gay meant and I was like oh mommy means happy like, there is no difference between somebody who loves a man versus who, someone who loves a woman. Like, okay, love who you love. Who cares? You're still yeah. successful. You're a person. You, you know, you can you can be gay and religious. Like, there's no saying you can't. Only God can judge, right? And it's just like, I just really, people get on my nerves so bad. I like, yeah, all of these things awful. I see, I'm like, 
let him live his life. Like he's make he's getting his bag. Let him go. I know, and I think I. Yeah, I say this all the time, too. I say this all the time with my friends. And she's like, what? And it's a lot of the times in conversations like these, if people just simply minded their business, these problems would go away. Like, Thank this you. wouldn't even, like, be a conversation we'd be it, having if people just minded their business. Because, like, you go on, like, Twitter or, like, the comments, and it's always, always the white man with the beard, the old guys, and, like, the, I think it's, I don't even know the word for it, like, the country people. Those are oh always the profile pictures of the people yeah. that are like being degrading and like writing hate comments and death comments to people they don't know and they're never going to meet. They yeah. don't pay your bills. They did not birth you. So what is your issue? You just want to bully people ang- on the internet? Yeah, uh, they're just angry people online that have literally nothing better to do with their day. <laughs> they're just you bored. It. You said it. <laughs> they're just bored. Yeah, it's awful. So horrible. But yeah, I mean... I'm trying my best to just be able to, you know, take that route to just be able to have more people listening and having more people being like, oh, yeah, well, they're all female over there. Oh, wow. They're like, they're taking people who have disabilities as artists. Wow. Like, oh, never, never seen that. And it's like, you know, trying to give artists opportunities and, you know, helping build them from ground zero. And like, we're trying to even like expand the company so I can like, you know, we have six artists right now and I'm the only manager. And I mean, after six, I feel like it would get pretty difficult to like, it's easy right now because if the artists don't release in the same week, my job is easy. Everyone gets like equal time and we can do everything together. But like there's so many artists that are left in the dust that are left on like non-represented and that's when they get taken advantage of. And it's like, you're going to tell me that there's there's literally going to be like a disabled LGBTQ artist out there that's going to be phenomenal and nobody's going to give them a chance hello come here come come to mama like i'll help come to you Tori. Like, ser- like seriously it's just the thing it's like i want to give everyone a chance that other people are just like saying they're not good enough and it's like i hate stuff like that and it's like no one gave me a chance and it's like everybody thought that like oh i'm sick and you know i feel like in high school i was friends with every different friend group but i was always by myself like i always was talking to people but i always just felt alone Cause like no one like invited me places because they always assumed I was sick or at the doctors and majority of times at a concert. Cause that was just my thing. Like, you know, like it was, it just felt like being alone. I know there's artists that feel that way. And like, if we can have a whole conversation about how artists get taken advantage of by management and money, don't even get me started. They get exploited. I will go on for 19 hours about this. So if you don't have a question about it, I'm literally going to shut my mouth. Because <laughs> it's just, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And our, all artists need to stay vigilant because there's a method. You know, managers and labels, they usually reach out to the artist when they're interested. But when the artist goes and reaches out or goes searching, that's when things can go wrong. And that's when people can get very taken advantage of because... There could be managers who are in it for the money and saying, oh, well, they need money. I don't care if they're good or not. So when an artist reaches out to a manager, do managers view that as like naive artists? So an artist is like desperate for representation? Sometimes, yeah. So what usually happens in like a normal situation is most artist management companies don't take unsolicited submissions. They go and find their artists themselves or they're referred to by like a label, a lawyer, an industry person or whatever the case may be. But it's usually like, 
the manager acts as the A and R for their company, and they go find artists that are under like non-represented, and they bring them onto their company, and they help them with their career. And you know, being a manager is not just managing their career; it's managing their life, being a friend, being being their family because you're with them so much. But I feel like there's a lot of corporate management. There's a few management companies that are very like corporate style, and it's like I feel like with a thousand artists on your roster, I feel like it's non-personal, honestly. It's like my whole roster, we're like family. Like I treat all of them, they're, they're my kids, literally. I'm the momager. And I just feel like if anybody ever reaches out to my company and if I didn't reach out first, I'll always just be like, hey, we're not accepting submissions at this time, but I will take the time to let them know how the process works or you know what to look out for. I always tell them to stay vigilant and stay safe. And you know when you're going and looking for a manager, there's sometimes you can find a great one. It could be a great opportunity, great experience. But, you know, just like everyone in the world, every industry, there's always people that look for naive people to take advantage of. And that's not just in music. That's like, you know, you hear the agent horror stories and like acting and modeling and same thing. It's just not called agent. It's called a manager. And it's just mm. a lot of crazy things, a lot of crazy things that you see and you hear and the horror stories from other people. And I'm I'm lucky enough that I'm a student and I'm lucky enough that I'm able to live at home and have my little side job because I don't charge my artists to be their manager until they are financially stable through music and we get them to that point. So like I'll take my artists from A to stardom, hopefully one day, but then when they're at stardom and I'm still a manager, I don't want to start managing someone when they're at stardom. It's like I like to develop artists and I like to be there for the whole process. And, you know, like even when we expand our company, like, to try to find managers who understand the ideals of what I want to do and why we don't take money to start like when money is your when music is your sole income we'll have that conversation like I don't want your money from Starbucks I don't want your parents money I don't want the hundred dollars you make off like a million streams like when it's like flowing and like we did that together then we can all live comfortably but you know it's just Money is the root of all evil, especially in music. And it's funny because all of my artists had the same story when I met them that before they met me, somebody reached out and they were like, oh yeah, $10,000 to start. And like, to anybody listening, if you're an artist and somebody reaches out to you that they want to manage you or work with you and they ask for money, walk away. There is insane amounts of scam companies happening right now. And it's like, I'm not even kidding. Like playlisting and press, you don't pay for that you don't pay for that. And there's these companies like payola, like don't, don't pay for playlisting, send those emails yourself. You can pay like a person to do it for you, like send those emails, but like the agencies that are like, oh yeah, we'll get you in all these major magazines and get you in all of these play only playlisting. And I'm like, crickets, like, but they're still, they're still in business. So you know that there, there are uneducated artists that are truly taking up those opportunities and thinking that it's the right move to make and that's why I'm like super a stickler about like music business education and you know no matter who the artist is if I manage them or not like my like I have so many artist friends that I'm like oh my god I'm like so stressed like I can't take on more artists but like text me any time of the day call me like I'm here like I'll answer questions to help keep them safe because you know if I ever had to deny an artist to be a manager and then I seen that they got screwed over or something I would feel like so guilty and it's like, I know there's something I can do about it because they made those decisions and they might not have somebody on their side, but 
you know, I just, so I just terrible. try my best. Yeah. I just try my best yeah. to be able to be there for the artist community or anybody that reaches out no matter what it's for. If they want me to listen to a song, I'll listen to it. Like I really, artists need better representation. They need to be kept safe because, you know, you hear the horror stories about what happens to these bigger artists when they're on the top and, you know, they have all this entourage around them, but still bad things happen. And it's yeah. like, okay, how can we prevent that? And, you know, I just, I try my best. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you're talking so much about the artists you manage. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the artists? I, mean, I want to hear a little bit about them. Oh, of course. Um, we have a lot of artists on our roster and they are, again, all my children. So we have a singer-songwriter from New Jersey. Her name is Mia Giovina. She is our TikTok singer-songwriter sensation. <laughs> she just released her debut single, Sirens, on March 26th. We're headed into one month of it being out, and it's almost, it is, it is at 100,000 streams, which is really, really awesome. And, you know, she's getting close to, like, 200K on TikTok, and, you know, the major labels are calling, and we're just like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. But, you know, she's awesome. I really love her. She's one of my best friends. And same for our artist, Nicole. She's a bedroom pop artist from Atlanta, and, absolutely love her she just released her debut ep called platinum on april 9th and she's like the baddest b ever like she's all <laughs> about female empowerment and she he has a song called mango like the fruit mango that's the title of the song but the lyrics are let the man go so it's like a oh, play on words and it's like everybody loves that song and i love it too and we have a indie pop band from charlotte north carolina called well they are my other band children <laughs> We started managing them a couple of months ago and, you know, they're working on new music now. And it's just the indie community is just like, we love well. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll give you more stuff. And they're another, another like TikTok famous band, which is really cool. And, you know, their sound is just really, it's so different than anything I've really ever heard. And we I also manage a band called Sleep House and they were the first artist I've ever managed before. And we've been together for since 2018 or 17. We've been together for a while and they released their EP High Tide last summer and that did really well. And we got them on Radio 104.5 here in Philly. Before the pandemic, they did a, a Live at Five session and then their song Skydiving in Dubai ended up in like regular rotation on the station, which was really, really awesome. And, you know, I love them so much. And it's just like, we feel like family at this point. And also mounted an artist named Kyler St. Ford and she is like my literal best friend in the entire world. And we do everything together. And it's like, literally, I had surgery in January. And she literally came over to my house, gave me gift baskets, all of this stuff. And she's my concert buddy. Uh, we like to camp for shows. So we camped oh, out like that. six hours for Louis Capaldi. But like, we <laughs> went to the radio station, and we met him. And, you know, we've seen so many concerts together. She's literally my ride or die. She's working on her debut EP now. We're so excited for her to finally put out her music. And then we also manage Ocean Heights, which is like an indie R&B band from South Jersey. I love them so much. His name is Justin. He's incredible. He's a, such an amazing producer and engineer. And he works with a lot of other artists. And they just released a song called Randy. And it's literally about Randy Jackson. And it's so oh funny. Gosh, he, actually, he actually seen it, which is really awesome. And they're working on new music now. And a couple of, one of their songs is like over like a million streams. People are just like, love it so much they got on like major apple music playlists they're really really awesome and you know working with like a lot of other artists on the side just like advice wise just helping any way I can because I don't want to leave anybody 
in the dust because I'd literally my heart break. Like I don't care where I am in my career. If I'm sitting at a boardroom at a label, I'm still gonna answer those emails just because like artists need direction. And it's like I'm a nobody in the music industry. I have my circle, I have my artists, and you know, I have my friends and you know, my some of my friends at major labels, they tell me I'm crazy because I don't take money from my artists and I'm just like, hey, they're gonna make money soon. So I don't want their hundred dollars from Spotify split six way. I'm okay. <laughs> like we'll get there when the time is right. And you know, my whole roster is they're just my family and I just love them so much and hope to bring on, you know, some more team members in the future and bring on even more artists. So <laughs> Yeah, well you guys sound like one big happy family. Um <laughs> I love it. Um yeah, and that was all I had. That was that's kind of a perfect note to end on. Um, thank you for an amazing interview, Tori. That was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, do you have anything else you want to add? No, not really. Just be inclusive, treat everyone with kindness, and artists stay vigilant because the industry is very scary. There's a lot of scary people out there, and just you know, don't get discouraged because things will happen when your time is right. And I promise, like, put the hard work in and things will go your way because everything happens for a reason if you put your mind to it too so that's my advice (laughs) perfect very inspirational (laughs) um before we end the episode can you let the listeners know where they can find you or vh management on social media of course um my instagram is tori hamersky h-a-m-e-r-s-k-y and the vh management is just vhmgmt our twitter is vh with the word management and our website is bhmgmtgroup.com. Awesome. All right. So make sure to follow BH Management and Tori on all social media accounts if you want to stay updated with the company and all of their artists. And of course, for more updates on Hollywood Hero, follow me on Instagram at Hollywood Hero Pod. And I'll see you all next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>